Hello and welcome to One Inch Past Scary Podcast. This is Kirsty Sayer. I'm delighted to be here on this April the 5th, 2022. It's a Tuesday and it's sunny in April uh, momentarily. Oh, spoke too soon. It is now once again somewhat cloudy, but it was sunny this morning, which is extremely notable. Um, for those of you listening in other parts of the country and in the other parts of the world, particularly from the Southern Hemisphere, um, I have to explain why I'm so preoccupied with the weather. Um, because in the months that are assigned to be spring, it doesn't know what it is. It has an identity crisis. And um, most of the time we suffer for its instability. We are the, you know, we are the, <laughs> the ones who have to deal with Mother Nature just dealing with a lot of stuff, just working stuff out. And, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I got super excited. I had like a whole creative tear and decided to put like a really cool setup on our roof. We have like a flat roof outside, um, second story flat. It's basically a very big deck. And um, I put out like a, we we made a whole little cabana situation. We had like a bed and it's on, my husband built pallets so that it can be rolled around, um, you know, according to the sunshine. I got like fabric canopies set up and he put like a four poster. He built a whole four poster around it. So it could be this whole like magical cabana moment in the sunshine. And my friend and I spent, um, I think it was just one blissful afternoon <laughs> out there tanning and having, you know, the best time looking at the, at the clouds and, and just appreciating the sunlight, maybe two, maybe two days. Um, you know, it was really hot, like hot enough to put on sunscreen and have drinks with ice and sunglasses and swimsuits on and everything. And since then, it's done um, no sun. It's done zero sun. Sun is not like part of the whole equation at all. But in addition to that, it's brought um, some drama with like uh, precipitation of all kinds, um, snow, um, sleet, a bunch of rain. Um, then again, more snow, a little bit of hail sprinkled in there. It usually withholds the hail just until we get beautiful budding blossoms and the trees look magnificent. It'll let us like enjoy that for maybe a day, day and a half. And then it'll just bring the hail, the windstorm and the odd tornado. So, um, May, April, um, those are, you know, interesting weather months for us. And I say interesting um, as a euphemism, they're garbage. Um, we don't like them at all. Everybody is done by now with being cold. We have been cold since, um, October. And more than that, we have not seen the sun reliably for good portions of the time. And so you kind of settle into the doldrums in winter. You just accept your fate. But then, um, when April and, and even March, March, March madness, is not about basketball um, around, you know, these parts. March Madness is about how when people are like forgetful that they live in Ohio and they they expect spring or something. They're like, 
they're mad because they don't remember that spring doesn't come until like mid-June. And it's not spring. It's like hot and sticky. So that's, and it's called summer. But anyway, um, so for these three months, people are not okay. <laughs> and by people, I mean me. <laughs> no, but I have other people who also sympathize and are down with their garbage, especially in April and May. May at least has the concession of being quite pretty and maybe you start to string several quite warm days together, um, even hot ones, and it's a little bit more reliable, but um, April's just a mess. So we're experiencing April and, you know, there's the world and stuff and it's, it's, a, it's also a mess at large. Um, Nothing's changed since last we spoke. There has been, you know, escalations in wars and war crimes and terrible, terrible things that we're seeing um, if we're not really careful not to. And then you have the inner conflict about how dare I protect myself from seeing these things. And then you, you are like, what? But seeing these things is making me feel terrible and like grief stricken. And how am I being helpful by seeing them? It's a whole big, another like, you know, thing that we could talk about at some other time, and we have talked about a little bit in the past. But this, you know, it's it's a dark time to be sure. And um, once again, you know, if your life is going really smoothly personally, that's great. Just you know, enjoy it and absorb it, and and do not feel guilty about it because you know, life um, has a way of just bringing all the seasons. So if you're in a good one, um, I'm happy for you. Just appreciate it soak it up enjoy it for everything it is and you know not waiting for the other shoe to drop but you know like i'm sure you've been through storms so enjoy your summer and then um if you're not um having a sunny sort of personal life right now and things are really really hard i know some people who are in um mourning you know are experiencing deep unfathomable grief after the loss of a child um of another family member of close friends or um are experiencing just complete shock and despair at you know the changing landscape of their world and have perhaps lost employment who are struggling financially i think a lot of people are are feeling a financial pinch and a sense of insecurity now um i i send you warmest wishes and hugs and much love and comfort and that's really what this um, this episode is about. Um, the The title came to me, which it usually doesn't before I have to absolutely have to choose a title. Um, I, I hate to choose titles for things because I have so many words and so many ideas and distilling them all into one, you know, concise title is my idea of an, like a nightmare. But for for once, the title came to me while I was thinking about this podcast, and it's not the most clever or witty of titles, but the theme of the podcast is like when the going gets tough, the tough go easy. <laughs> um, and the, the tough are tough because they have been through stuff, and so they have brought with them some wisdom. Oops, my... My watch is really proud of me right now. I think I've been waving my arm around too much. I talk with my hands if, in case we've never met. <laughs> um, so, uh, 
of where was it? Okay, so the t when the going gets tough, the tough go easier. Um, you know, we se we seem to sort of have this imagery, and of course that comes from the song and just all of, you know, all of the the things that the 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 society our society is built on. You know, when the going gets tough, then we just dig deep and we go harder, man. We just we sweat, right? We we struggle. And, you know, that is just kind of imagery that we're conditioned to believe is going to get us through stuff. And honestly, you know, sometimes that's the only thing for it. If you're in a hole, um, you got to dig and it's not exactly a picnic. You know, you got to keep digging your way out or clawing your way out. And that's hard work. Um, but I was reminded of the importance of introducing a sense of ease into really difficult times or at least enduring with um, I think a, a sense of kindness and gentleness for yourself and also for others um, and going with the flow as much as you can uh, without resistance let me give you a better example of what I mean so um, I've probably used this analogy before because I love running analogies and I was at the gym the other day and I had just signed up for um, a 50 mile a fundraiser that I have to run 50 miles in April to raise money for the Trevor Project, which um, is an organization that assists um, LGBTQ kids who um, are struggling emotionally, um, you know, with just a society who struggles to accept them and there's just a lot of toxicity that they have to deal with and it and it helps them it helps to prevent suicide and other crises so it's a really amazing organization I commented to my husband after I signed up for this that I wish such an organization did not have to exist that we could all just be kind and gracious and loving to each other and supportive of each other in all of our diverse journeys but um I'm grateful that it does exist um, because there is just so much ugliness and fear and confusion in this world. And anyway, that aside, um, and, and if you have sponsored me, I am so grateful. Thank you so much. And if you would like to, um, there are several links in my social media to do so. But I just blithely gone, oh, absolutely, I can do this. I run, you know most days of the week and that's nothing and it's and then I started to you know I was on my little run and I started to do the math and I was like wait a minute <laughs> I just remembered that I'm I'm not running every day this month I'm really doing a concerted effort to become more balanced in my fitness approach so to work in weights um and yoga on other days and not to just run 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 um but to alternate days and I had not yet factored into the fact that I needed to up my mileage on those other days of course since I had now committed to run 50 miles so I was in the midst of a run I had thought I was finished when I realized you know what you're gonna have to add another couple miles if this is how you're gonna do it so I um, was not so much tired as bored and if you're on a treadmill in a gym and you've you've already completed the amount of mileage you thought you were going to do you will relate you just get kind of over it you're bored and so i was like well the only thing for that then is to um raise the speed because i don't want to be here all day 
which of course is just great um, until reality sets in and that gets quite hard. So um, now that I've done this really extensive background story for you. So I'm like getting, I'm hitting my stride, but I'm finding that my, um, you know, the breathing is getting a little bit more of something I need to concentrate on and stuff. And I, I don't know if I glimpsed like just my form in a mirror in front of me, or if I just became aware, I looked down at my hands and I saw them in little fists. I just saw them in like little teeny fists. <laughs> I can just imagine how funny I look. Like really digging in and running all furiously, <laughs> all fast and stiff. And one thing I do know is that um, that is just like the best way to just burn any extra energy. It's totally inefficient and it's it's not a good idea. So when you run, you want to run as relaxed and lightly as possible. And that actually feels... You know, especially when you're tired and especially when the going gets tough, when you start to feel tired, you're always, you're always um, you know, if you're a runner who's learned anything, you're going to check your form and see what's going on with it. So that to see if you can make some adjustments to make it more efficient, to make it more relaxing, um, or at least, you know, just to like conserve the amount of energy you're going to need to complete the thing. And I... Um, I recognized just all the wrong things. Like I had had too many things entertaining my brain. I was doing maths, I was adding miles, I was adding speed, I was doing all sorts of things. And I wasn't focusing on my form. And I had to make this really intentional shift. Like, okay, listen, um, if you're trying to get through this thing at the speed that you're doing, you've got to relax. You've got to lower your shoulders. You've got to stop punching up your little fists, you've got to stop crossing your arms in front of yourself and just like keep them, you know, by your side, swinging gently and, um, you know, lighten your step. And that sounds very counterintuitive, you know, just kind of like running with shorter, sort of faster, but lighter um, foot footsteps um, will keep you off the ground, which is a drag and it's exhausting and all that stuff. So a literal drag. <laughs> So anyway, I made these little adjustments to my form. And while I did, it didn't feel good, to be honest. It felt unnatural every single time it does. Um, to look at me, you can tell I'm not a natural runner. I'm not built for it. Um, I, I just, I run for the mental benefits. I really enjoy that. And I, I do have good endurance. But, you know, it's always a struggle. It's always a struggle whenever I mix up anything, whenever I, like, make adjustments to my form, I've got to really be intentional about it and really like talk myself through it and remind myself this will feel better in a little bit maybe not immediately but this is how you're going to finish this run strong only if you do these things like stay disciplined in doing these things and even if it seems hard and you just want to squish up your face and squish up your squish up your um your fists and it reminded me of all the times that I've guided as a birth doula I've guided women during the most difficult parts of their labor, especially when women are approaching the part that we call transition, which is right before, you know, the pushing and the baby's like getting really ready to be there. And that's when they always say, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. I'm going home. I've changed my mind every single time. They laugh about it when we talk that that is going to happen. They always say, that sounds ridiculous. Of course, I'm not going to say that. And then they always do. And it, indeed, so do I. I've had five babies. I'm sure I've said that that sort of thing every time and um 
And every single time this happens, I'm always like, relax your face. I always start with their face. Relax your face. I give them cues to relax their hands, to relax their thighs, and then to breathe deeply. Just relax, you know, and focus. Shift their attention. Shift their attention to something different. Um, not so much to the fact that this hurts, which it does, um, but shift your attention to the fact that the baby's going to be here soon. You're getting closer to seeing your baby. Or shift your attention from your body, the pain of your body, like why is it feeling this way, to understanding the pain and going, this pain being this intense means that I'm near the end. And this, my, you know, this baby is coming. I'm opening. This baby is finding its way. All is well. This is how it's supposed to be. Um, and I found that these, you know, intentional shifts just cued by relax your face, relax your hands, relax your thighs. Um, they always help ease the pain, ease the discomfort, help them labor to move along. And, you know, the more tense the, the mother gets, the more intense she is on squishing up her, her face or like fighting against the pain. Well, two things happen. It's called the fear tension pain cycle so that you know you'll be tense because you the pain has the the pain has gotten to a, an untenable point so you're tensing up against it um and then it's it's responding to that tension pain does not like think about a tension headache just you know pain often comes from tension and during labor there's nothing worse than you know tension and fighting against the pain because when you think about the mechanics of it it's all about allowing it to happen allowing it to open um and so it's so interesting that people who are like who will trust me and believe in that process and usually i'll i'll meet with them for several months beforehand so that they do trust me and they can intellectually understand the process and who will like be okay I'll, i believe you i'll do just as you say um, find that they find an instantaneous, n not like a complete relief of the pain, but they find that extra pocket of energy or that extra little bit of capacity to endure it. Um, and the ones who are just sort of out of their minds and are like, no, 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 I can't do it. And are, you know, fighting against me and them, you know, the pain themselves and stuff, find themselves in more trouble. And it, and it, it just sort of, creates a more difficult moment for them than is necessary and I think that what I'm getting to right now is just that at this time in the world and in life as particularly in my life I just know so many people who are dealing with incredible adversity um, a great deal of pain and some of them have not dealt with emotional pain before they haven't dealt with uh, the sense of um um you know depression anxiety sort of chronically or to such extremes and it's a new experience and it's scary so there comes the fear you know like this is i'm in pain and that means something must be wrong and so i'm tensing up about it i'm worried why am i not responding the way i always do why am i not like um, able to like deal with life the way I used to well there's lots of reasons for that you know like we have collectively all endured something we've never ever endured before um, as a society and we can't expect there will never be 
things will never ever go back to normal they, that doesn't exist anymore we've we've moved forward to a different life you know one where we've all together experienced a pandemic where we've lost people and we've witnessed a lot of different reactions that shocked and dismayed us um and so we are never getting back to the previous life and that in itself is something that i personally mourn you know i mourn my innocence about people i i feel very shaken by it and all that um i'm sad that the simplicity of life seems to be gone forever in many ways i'm i'm just you know i'm just disheartened by a lot of things that i know now that always did exist you know the the curtains being pulled back and i've seen the wizard and you can't unsee some things and i'm sad about that and um you know and life is still very un uh, well it's unpredictable really going forward we are not exactly sure where we stand with this with this pandemic if it's gone if there's going to be another wave we're all kind of bracing for that and we also just have a lot of other things going on in this this world that I'm not going to like list today because I think we all know but we um we've gone through a lot and I think that in and of itself is one reason why folks might be not responding to stress or responding to conflict or responding to busyness um in in sort of like a, the resilient way that they feel like they once did and you don't ha have to you know you don't have to feel bad you don't have to add shame and dismay and and just irritation with yourself because you can't cope with what's going on in a way that you used to maybe this is an opportunity to learn better ways you know um I've often said to, you know, to people I know who, who have used staying very, very, very busy as a um, coping mechanism, um, that one day they won't be able to keep the pace of busyness up. Something will happen. Either, you know, the opportunities will change and, and life will just slow down they'll get sick or you know they'll be forced everybody has a day of forced reckoning with themselves and with what they're dealing with beneath the surface and um it's just important it's just important that we all have the opportunity to see really what's been going on and what's made us tick all this time and, and what we're trying to cover up and what we're not facing and so i I honestly do think that the hardest part of hard things is when we add more difficulties to them by f bunching up our fists and railing against it and particularly railing against ourselves because we are not happy with our reaction to that difficult thing. Um, and there's just such a lack of self-acceptance at such a vulnerable time. And I want you to consider, you know, if you were going through a really difficult time and your best friend um, were to come to you and say, you know what, I don't, I just don't like, I don't like how you're responding to this awful thing that just happened to you. You know, say you're, you climbed a tree. I mean, this is just a ridiculous example because 
most people listening to this podcast are not inclined to probably climb a tree a lot but you climbed a tree you're picking an apple it looked like it was going to be a ton of fun and you slipped you fell and bam you got a broken leg it's just like awfully broken (laughs) it's really painful and it means you can't do any of the things that you used to do in the ways that you used to do until that tree get until that that leg gets healed and while you're still lying there in pain and on the ground and writhing around and in shock and they come up to you and go you know what like honestly this first of all how dumb are you and what were you thinking like dude you're like you're like you really are inept or stupid or old or dumb or weak or whatever to fall out of that tree like dumb dumb idea dumb idea and you're crying there going what the hell could you maybe get me help instead um I think it would just be such a shock, right? It would just make things so much worse. And then once they finally grudgingly got you help, they sat at your bedside like every moment and were like, don't you wish, don't you just wish that you could get up and do some stuff? Like, don't you just wish that you could get up and clean your house and go to work and and go running and take care of like people around you? Don't you just wish that you weren't such a burden on everybody that you didn't have to just lie here and like people had to bring you food and and like, you know, stuff and oh gosh, you must feel so dumb. I, you know, I think you're dumb. I think you're dumb that the whole thing happened and also that you're weak and why aren't you healing quicker? This is just, you know, you would be like, you know what? Get the freaking hell out of my house. You're not my friend. You suck. You're making everything worse. Of course you would, right? You would. You would be like, okay, I misjudged you as a friend. Thanks, but no thanks. Go. Get. But we do this exact thing. The person that's with us all the time is us. And we have that inner voice. And every single thing that we go through, we can make either, we can use an accepting and loving and supportive voice and we can say you're in a difficult time and that's okay we're going to get through this we're just going to sit here we're going to rest we're going to heal we're going to get whatever it is that we need we're going to ask for it we're going to let other people do more right now than you know they're accustomed to doing because we do not have the capacity right now and that's okay because other people love us they just need to know they're not aware of you know, they can't read our minds. So we're going to ask for help more. It's okay. If you spoke to yourself like a friend who had come up and seen you fall and gone, oh my gosh, I saw that fall. That's so unfortunate. That's so awful. I could see that delicious apple. I would have done the same thing. And falling just happens. That branch just broke beneath you. That is not your fault. Who could have seen that coming? Let's get you the best care. Let me carry you, you know, and get you all set up and sat and kept company and brought you magazines and like gave you the best you know Netflix queue that you'd ever had and brought you treats and and cleaned your house that would be you know a good friend and the best thing that we can do in times that are difficult is to use this kind of perspective when we are talking to ourselves and be the best friend to ourselves that we possibly can be because we're the only person um I have a friend going through you know major grief who's lost her son and you know it's in addition to 
the terrible pain and the terrible loss. It's just very lonely and isolating because there is there are few few other people. I mean, often you'll have to find a community online who understand what you've been through in terms of a, a child loss. But nobody knows exactly what you're going through. Nobody knows the exact loss, the exact acute moments of grief and missing and aching and you know walking past their room or seeing something out of the corner of your eye or hearing a song on the radio or anything nobody knows it except for you and if you aren't your own best friend in those moments and if you aren't supportive rather than beating up you're making this terrible time so much worse and it's easy for me to blithely sit here and say just be your own best friend but I think if we look at it in terms of this perspective like I can make this harder on myself and I am every single time I'm criticizing myself for not managing this in a preconceived notion. Or I can make this as gentle on myself as possible. I can be a good friend to myself. I can be kind. I can be supportive. I can say, you know what? You seem tired. Rest. And that's okay. You're very tired. You're very burned out. Just rest. Somebody else will take care of it. Just like you would to a good friend. Um... I think it's it's sort of like a earth-shattering and also very obvious adjustment to make. You know, we've heard it a million times, but if you really, really, really sit in it and think of every single time your inner voice talks to you, from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep and everything in between, and if you start to pay attention to the mood of it, the tone of it, and just kind of like the needless criticism. I was getting so mad right before I started this podcast just because the cords of the microphone and my phone where I'm recording it on and then the charging and the this and the that were not, they were all tangled up. And I immediately took this super personally like this was my fault. And of course it probably is. I mean, I don't know if anybody else has been in here messing with this stuff, I don't think so. But it made me literally just take it to a whole nother level. Like, I cannot do anything right. Why can't I just keep the course of this? It was just so ridiculous. It didn't make, there was nothing that it added to the situation. It didn't make me, you know, organize myself quicker. It didn't make me feel any better. It didn't bring me to this podcast in a better state of mind. It was just like, gosh, you're so annoying. And you know, if I lose my rag just slightly, wow, I've just got a very busy street today. I'm noticing it. Fire trucks driving by. It's like a small residential street and it's made its business to be as loud as possible. But um, hopefully you're not hearing it as much as I am. But if I lose my temper just slightly at Ella before school, I, you know, I watch her face and it changes. Um, if I just show like even a little, she's very sensitive, and if I show even a little bit of the irritation that's spilling up because I'm irritated with myself for being late and not giving plenty of time, um, inevitably, you know, when I'm doing her hair and she shifts her head at the very wrong moment and I talk to her like in a, you know, a curt or abrupt way, like don't move your head, um, I see like a shadow go over her face and I see her just like shut down that little bit more. And I see, you know, that, and I instantly always feel bad. I'm like, oh, I'm putting this sort of heaviness, this little burden. I'm adding to this burden of this kid before she goes to school, which is difficult for her. It's a, an adjustment, and it's going out in this, in this big 
noisy world after two years of being safe at home and all her with all her stuff and her mom and having a lot more freedom and and here I am like every single time I say something impatiently or unkind, unkindly to her I'm adding a little rock in her backpack a little burden I'm taking away her you know her sense of joy and her sense of confidence and I I like cringe when I see that tiny shadow but I'm doing it to my own inner self every day. Every single time I get like <clears throat> irritated or impatient with myself or I speak unkindly to myself, which is so much more than I realize. It's way better than it used to be. But it's still at kind of a not a good friend level a good deal of the time. It's still definitely at the point of not the kind of... Um, narrative that I would ex accept from any actual friend and so that is something to consider you know when the the going gets tough the tough get gentle they go easier they go easier on themselves and by the tough I mean the most resilient amongst us the, the, the ones who do navigate storms and come out on top and live to tell the tale and are not broken by them or if they are broken by them they manage to rebuild and they manage to be you know, write the blueprints and the survival plans for the people who come after them. And I think that's very important that we all strive to, you know, get through these these struggles with wisdom to share and not so disillusioned that we don't even want to talk to other people and assist other people in the future through their own struggles. So, um, you know, when the going gets tough, the, the tough, the wise, go gentle. They go gentle on themselves, way more gentle than when they're feeling on top of the world. They don't ask as much from themselves. They don't ask, um, you know, they're, they're more jealous with their time and protecting it. They, they, they have boundaries, and by jealous, I mean they jealously protect their time, their energy, their boundaries. They don't um, commit to things that they, they used to commit to without, you know, thinking twice. Um, they protect themselves as a good friend would protect a, a, an injured or sick or grieving friend that they were with, you know, they're gatekeepers. You know, I've, I've, I've stood as gate, gatekeepers for friends of mine who are having majorly difficult times before. And, you know, I've, I've had to go to them and talk to go to their homes and talk to their husbands and families about the reality of what they were experiencing and how, you know, how they needed the family to step up. I've, you know, I've, I've, I've stood and taken visitors when, when, you know, friends were not ready to see people or talk to people. I've, you know, organized meals. I've cleaned their homes. That's what friends do for each other. And that's what you as your best friend, who's knowing who knows more than anyone else what you're going through should be doing for yourself, not the opposite. Not saying, well, you will always find to do a million things before now, so step on up, Buster. <laughs> I just don't know where Buster came from. But step on up. No, stop that. If you're feeling struggles and, and, and sadness and heaviness and just burnout, exhaustion, um, you don't have the equal capacity to do what you used to do things are different now and in order to heal you're going to need to take things gentler when i was healing from acute ptsd complex ptsd and it was you know th the first time that i unpacked a great variety of very very difficult things 
I um, found myself physically exhausted beyond anything I'd ever experienced before. Now, I have had many exhausting experiences. I've raised five or four children, you know, one on top of the other without any help, far from family and sort of, you know, people that I could really lean on for extended periods of time. I was constantly sleep deprived. I breastfed all those kids around the clock. It was exhausting. You know, I had like four kids in six years and it was very, very tiring. Um, without realizing I was also very depressed, very traumatized, constantly triggered. And I had a condition that would make me extremely tired and weak a lot of the time without knowing what was going on with me. So I've been through, I've really been through tiring things, but there, it was nothing like what the mental exhaustion or the toll that took. And when I complained to my therapist about it, I said, I literally cannot get out of bed. My body is so heavy. It just, I can't sit up. I'm just exhausted. And if I go and I spend time with people for any length of time, I have to go back to my bed. I feel like I'm about to collapse. There's something super wrong with me. This is so dysfunctional. And she was like, well, it's a, like your brain is literally rewiring. You're bringing trauma up and then your brain is rewiring itself to respond to life and stimuli completely differently you're building a part of your body a very complex part of your body and it takes a ton of energy not to mention that when you're sleeping you're processing trauma all night long and that's not restful so you're tired you're very very tired and she said you have got to acknowledge to yourself that you're going through something is as traumatic to your mind and your body as surgery and you have got to treat yourself as a post-surgical patient so you will go get up if and I was like well it's not okay for me to just lie in bed all the time I have like kids and I want to see them I miss them I miss my family I miss my life and she would say well get, then get up spend some time you know in the living room show your face see your kids get that and then back to bed just as you would if you had just had a major surgery you know, when when you're in the hospital, they let you go for little short little walks and then they put you back in bed and you recover for the rest of the day. That's how you've got to see yourself. So if you're going through a post-traumatic situation, a loss or PTSD of any kind, or you're dealing with the work of a traumatic childhood or anything, um, I think it's really important if nobody's explained to you before that you are going to be physically exhausted and there are physical changes happening in your brain, um, in your body, and there's processing that's going on in your subconscious that is very, very, very tiring. And so you can't be expecting the same physical sort of outward or output performance that you used to give because complexities are happening. You're doing a lot of work. It's just not as obvious. It may not be serving capitalism, but it's serving you um, in the long run, and you do need to support that by resting, just like when we're working a muscle or when we're training for a marathon, the rest days are just as important as the the training days, if not more. If you re if you if you skip a rest day when you should be taking a rest day, you will immediately find that your performance suffers. If you don't get an injury, you're very very lucky. Um, 
but you know you can skip an exercise day and and not lose the gains or that, sh that you know it's not nearly as as critical as if you if you skip a rest day so rest is pivotal it's so important it's part of building us up it's part of getting to the end and I just really want to encourage you that if you're comparing your former self and the output that you did to whomever you are now and it looks like you're resting a lot and it looks like you know you've slowed down and it looks like you're not productive or whatever that's just a false illusion there's a lot going on and you should you know support yourself the way the best friend would and a friend doesn't call another friend lazy when they're struggling a friend doesn't call another friend weak when they're struggling they don't criticize them they don't make constant little comments about what they're not doing or what they should be doing they just let them rest in peace they're happy to see them relax they encourage it you know they'll bring you a blanket and like a nice little glass of, of water or a hot cup of tea they'll be supportive of you so so try to make that 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 shift um what else do i want to suggest Oh, um, yeah, another thing, another one of my analogies, it's just all analogies all day around here, is that when you do rest, um, it's not restful at all if you are thinking about the things that you should have been doing or you would have been doing before you needed all this rest. So um, I'll give you an example. After, again, back to the gym, we've come full circle, but... After I, I work out, there's this lovely perk at my gym of like um, a hydro bed Michelle. A Michelle? What? Massage. <laughs> Hi, Michelle, if you're listening. Um, there's a hydro bed and it's like gives you this lovely warm water, like very powerful massage, like, you know, your full body massage. And I will usually use this as an opportunity to do whatever meditation I did earlier um, again, like an, like revisit the guided meditation I was doing, just to sort of consolidate it. And I find that when I really relax and breathe into it and I stay very present, I notice all the benefits of that massage. I notice it really getting in, into the sore muscles, the tired muscles, the muscles that are like feeling that little bit too strained, you know, on the edge of something. I really notice it, the, the, the benefits of the massage. And when I stand up, I feel relaxed and I feel um, I feel like properly worked out you know I feel like it's got all those things and I'm gonna be okay and I feel recovered and I just have a lot more energy and just restored and it's just a really beneficial experience I'm so grateful for it I just walk away thinking it's so nice to be able to leave my workout with this but there's been rare rare occasions that I've sat there and I have instead texted or scrolled or something and not being present I haven't been present or I've been anxious about somewhere I needed to go sending messages yeah I'll be right there I'll take care of that or whatever and when I walk away from that massage I don't I have I'm like what did it even happen it's over now I don't feel any benefits from it I leave feeling kind of sore and stiff and and just un you know I don't know I just don't feel good I don't feel like there's no there was no benefit for that massage from that massage and maybe there was but if I'm not conscious to it if I'm not really appreciating it 
And I started to think, I was like, is it that psychosomatic? But I think what I do is when I'm really relaxed and present and listening to my meditation, that I unconsciously move my body to meet the, you know, the areas of the massage chair that, that really, you know, the parts of like, maybe it's a thigh or maybe it's my back or my shoulder really needs to press into that portion of the chair when, when the, you know, the water is massaging it. And I think I work with it, you know, I go with the flow literally because it's this flow of warm powerful water jets and I was thinking what a perfect analogy that is for being present in your life that if you are like sort of present and um, open and you surrender to the flow of your life and where you are now and you're not fighting against it and you're not looking ahead and you're just present you can go with the flow you can work with it you can see you know what are my needs right now and adjust to them and i think it's you know it makes life so much more manageable these healing moments so much more healing these restful moments so much more restful and beneficial so staying present you know we hear about this constantly but I've never seen such like such a visceral, had such a visceral experience with the importance of it and how it can be so much more beneficial than, you know, because either way, I'm still on that chair. I'm not doing the things that I need to do 10 minutes later. So, you know, it's like worrying about it and planning for it ahead of time is not doing any good. I may as well, while I'm on the chair, be on the chair and get all the benefits out of it. And the same thing is if you are resting, resting in inverted commas, but thinking about constantly all the stuff that you need to be doing or feeling guilty or unworthy of that rest, that rest will actually not be restful. It'll make you feel worse. It'll actually be very, very tiring. And um, those of us in the ADHD community are very familiar with this um, because we kind of get, um, you know, there's, there's parts of our executive functioning that motivated us to get up and to sort of take action. And often um, the ADHD brain has a problem. It's kind of revving, 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 revving in place, thinking of all the things you've got to do, but it can't like initiate them, initiate the task. And that is exhausting. So people are just looking at us just sitting there like, doing something dumb, maybe scrolling our phone or reading a book or staring at the TV. Whereas internally, our engine is revving like crazy. And that's just that sitting in place, revving, 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 that in, in and of itself will burn out your engine. It will burn you out. It will waste fuel. It is bad news, right? So um, the best thing to do, if you, I don't know what to say for an ADHD person. I mean, there's lots of ways, lots of tips and tricks, but what would be more beneficial if you've assigned this moment in time for just relaxation is to just let it be what it is, which is relaxation and thoroughly enjoy it and make it relaxed and just take away the guilt. There's nothing morally wrong with rest. And I think so many of us have had this explicitly or implicitly conditioned into us to think that when we're resting, we're not contributing, we're not doing, we're not valuable. And that's what the crux of it. We are not valuable we are not worthy and that's nonsense and that's something that we really need to intentionally try to weed out of our own psyches and in out of our children's psyches and out of society at large and i think that 
this is one of the one things that it's a conversation that we're starting and I think it's good it's not we're so far from it but we're starting to see how problematic it is that we base our worthiness on output and how tenuous and toxic that can be so when you're resting rest um Okay, and then I have one more tip before I leave you today. Um, I might have mentioned it before, and I think I actually have, but it works so well that I think that I'm going to give it a little bit more airtime. Um, I just mentioned it to my sister and suggested it for her, um, her in terms of insomnia or getting to sleep if she's feeling anxious or whatever, and this is what I do. Um, I find myself often ruminating about things that could happen you know calamities etc disasters that i'm terrified of not necessarily natural disasters but like relationship wise or you know things that i can't control all that helpful stuff all that good stuff that we just you know percolate in just to get us ready for a good night's rest that i you know my mind can go to that quite easily and I find that, you know, if I allow that unchecked, it will just result in a complete spiral of anxiety. If you start doing that at night, um, while I'm a huge proponent for examine your anxieties, do not suppress them, do not bury them, do not engage in numbing behavior like I just talked about earlier, you know, like... Will you try and escape from what's really concerning you by working yourself, you know, to the bone and then suddenly you don't have that crutch anymore and you have to really examine your stuff? Like examine it sooner rather than later before you're forced to. But there's a time and a place for everything. And going to bed at night, it might be an easy and natural sort of way to fall into things, just worrying about your worries. But it's not a time that you're going to do anything very productive about them. So I would say that when you're resting and you're trying to, you know, relax your mind and your body enough to prepare for sleep and that restoration, and you find yourself getting into an anxious loop, I would suggest that you go through your day, you know, you, you play through the last day that happened, just the, the, that same ordinary day, hopefully it was ordinary and uneventful and boring, but uncalamitous shall we say and you think about every single thing that did go right that you didn't even notice going right that you got up out of bed and you didn't keel over dead and nobody else in your family did either that you left the house um, and got to where you're running to go without accident um, that there was food when you opened the fridge that the lights came on that bombs weren't raining down on your head that you know the lights worked well that there weren't people you know storming the streets and fighting at the stores for you know that everything actually worked well that the medicine that you needed to take was there and you got to take it that same day and just replay that in your mind and instead of um saying oh god okay well can i please make sure make sure make sure that this stays this way for me like don't take these good things away from me that's exactly what i'm worried about i just want everything to stay the way it is um or to get more of it or whatever i would just say wow thank you 
thank you so much for how things went today in terms of this, this, and this. Of course, there are plenty of days when things will not go as planned and you won't necessarily be grateful for the outcome of those. But if you're constantly worried about the fact that your one of your family members is going to, you know, be hurt in a car accident or something, um, consider all the times that they got home safely and then just rest in that and say, wow, I really appreciate that and I am very open to that outcome. I really enjoyed that and I would like that to keep happening, or I'm so grateful for that, and I accept more of that. And whether or not you're religious or who you're speaking to, if you're praying, if you're if you're just sort of putting it out there into the void of the universe, into the ocean of all possibility, or whatever it is, just acknowledging to yourself that it did happen right that day, and that you got and had all you needed that day to be lying in your warm, comfortable bed, um, with a brain that was working well enough to have these ruminations, that everything that led up to that moment went well enough. And then you say, I'm really grateful for that. And guess what? I would welcome more of that. I think you're going to feel better. And even if it doesn't, and I believe that it really does, that there's a universal law that applies to gratitude. I really believe in gratitude. I think that we see it in a very obvious way. We see that it works. You say, you know, your child acts super grateful for something or is just delighted and giddy over something you give them, how much more likely are you to give that to them again? You enjoy seeing them happy like that. We take selfish pleasure in people being delighted by gifts. People who enjoy gifts and are grateful and gracious about them are far more inclined to get more gifts. Um, people who are lower reactors or seem ungrateful, even though they might be ungrateful, but never say thank you or never act, grateful are unfortunately less likely to be bestowed such gifts in the future. So we know that, you know, there are certain really obvious outcomes um, for gratitude, but I've also seen this again, going back to my work as a labor and childbirth um, doula, and in my own laboring, I had read that people who say grateful words and think grateful thoughts and actually thank the folks around them dilated faster and more painlessly. And I have suggested it. I've used it in my own births and particularly in one that I can remember. And it worked amazingly, like shockingly, like weirdly well. And um, I've suggested it to other people and they've used it to great effect. There's just, there's like clinical evidence that grateful I think it's because I think it, it makes sense to me that when you're feeling grateful, you're more likely to feel safe and women who feel safe um, dilate, whereas women who are feeling unsafe um, and unsupported or threatened, their labors will stall often so that they because primarily your body wants you to be in a safe space to deliver a baby so that you know no predator will come and eat it or threaten you so um, that makes sense right so if you are you know having a rumination where you're fearing for the future go through the things that you fear might happen and and replay another another tape of all the times it didn't and say thank you so much and and more of that please i did this a lot at the beginning of the pandemic where everything was super scary 
and unknown. We just had no idea how it was spread, how contagious, how deadly, you know, like how bad it was going to get right, right at the beginning. Cause I have a lot of medical anxiety and, um, I found, I sort of stumbled on that and I found it soothed me so well. It really was, you know, especially making that, and you can tell when you're making an intentional, an intentional shift in your mind rather than suppressing feelings, the suppressing feelings will only make you more panicky. Um, it will just make you feel that weird, dark, stressed out feeling. But if you're saying, okay, I'm going to stop and I'm going to take an intentional shift right now so I can set myself up for more peaceful sleep and think about something just as valid and that's proven. And that's all the times that things have gone right. And then invite more of them into my life by being grateful, by saying thank you for them. You will find yourself to be karma. I can almost guarantee it. So that was my little tip for the day. Um, remember when the going gets tough, the tough go easier, they go gentler on themselves, on others. Please think of ways that you can go as gentle on yourself as possible this week. Try to be a good friend, as good a friend to yourself or better than you are as you are to others. Um, baby yourself like I talked about in the last episode. Give yourself little luxuries and little gifts. Um, we grow in resilience. Remember this. We grow in resilience when we um, have joy, when we take notice of the joyful moments of each day, and when we we see ourselves as worthy of bestowing more joy. And the same effect applies to rest. You will get more benefits from the rest. You will grow and learn and recover sooner the more present and welcoming you are of opportunities to rest and do that. Treat yourself kindly. Treat yourself as the weary, battered, but brave soldier that you've been the last few years. You have been through a lot. Don't discount all the things that each of you who are listening, whether or not I know you, I know you've been through a lot. And that you're up to the task of going through whatever comes your way. But you also have the responsibility to be kind, gentle, and nurturing to yourself and to others. But first of all, yourselves. Sending you much love and everything good um, as you go with this flow of life. And, and expect good things to come your way. And... Yeah, and rest up for all the things that you've been through. Uh, rest up. You've 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 done you've done good. You you've done good. <laughs> Just being here, you've you've done way more than you imagine. All right, I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you like this episode, please like and share um, with somebody else. I am am Kirsty Sayer, One Inch Past Scary Podcast. I'm also Kirsty Sayer. Um, on Facebook and Mommy Christie on Instagram. Um, One Inch Pie Scary is on all listening platforms. So if you um, if you share through the Anchor app, people should be able to see a drop down menu and be able to check, you know, take whichever um, platform they like. But I do appreciate your shares. Um, they help me get this out to more people. And um, you know, my goal is always just to help someone and you never know who out there just needs to hear one little nugget. 
Um, take care, and I will talk to you again very soon. Bye-bye.